Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. And I want to share a message with you this morning about um, reverence. The title of the message is called Revere. And revere is an old, an old word. I think it was used a lot in the mid-1800s and then it kind of didn't hear it. It kind of went down the hill, down, down the graph, you know, people. You know, I think uh, reverence is not a word we talk about much or hear much anymore. And it's really important that we understand how important it is, how important reverence is, amen? And because some of this message today uh, talks about why we feel sometimes we're not hearing the voice of God, we're not really sure of his will, plan, and purpose for our life. We want to have better lines of communication with the Lord. And there's some key things, I think, that, that, that prevent that from happening. And I th- believe that the Holy Spirit put in my heart that reverence is one of them. Amen. And, um, you know, uh, you've probably heard people saying, and we, we often say it, you know, God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. Well, sometimes that creates as many problems as it solves, unfortunately, because you say, oh, that's great news. But then we struggle with, well, what is the plan forevermore? <laughs> You've got, I've got a plan for you. Are you going to let me know what it is? Amen. And what is God's will for my life? We've all, we've all asked that question. Well, what is your will for my life? And, you know, sometimes either that question is going to bless you or bother you, you know. And if it blesses you, then, you, then, you know, God is unfolding, you know, bit by bit. You're seeing where he wants you to go. But for some people, it's, you know, oh, man, that's, that just bothers me because I don't know the next step, you know. And God does have a plan for your life. He does have a plan for your life. But sometimes we're just unsure about how he's going to communicate the plan because we all want to know it, don't we? You know, and sometimes, you know, we can, I've certainly been in this position myself where I'm certain of my salvation, but I'm totally uncertain of his will. I'm saved, thank God, but I don't know what your will is, Lord, you know? And, you know, you, if you're listening this morning on the live stream, I do believe this is going to minister to people this morning. But you may be sure and secure in your destination, amen, which is heaven, hallelujah. But the problem is the, the stops on the way there, you know, wherever, whatever kind of stops they are. You know, it's usually those points along the way where we struggle, and it is possible to be saved and be lost at the same time, I think. Has anyone ever felt that way? You know, so you can be, you can be one of the, the, the lost who are saved. You just don't really know God's will, his plan, and his purpose for your life. And, um, but God says, don't worry, there's hope, and there's always hope, hallelujah, There's hope because God is totally committed to communicating his will to your life, 
to you. I want you want to say that he is totally committed. If your heart is towards him, he is totally committed to letting you know what his will is. Will is but, but our adversary, the devil, Satan, tries to cut the lines of communication. Amen. God is working hard to keep the lines of communication open. And the devil is working hard to sever the lines of communication. All right, big time. And when that happens, we can feel vulnerable and exposed. And we can, fear and doubt can creep in. You know, when we feel a little bit unsure about God's will, our foundation, these things can come in. And, uh, you know, I think a, a, a good illustration is this. I often think of what would happen, what would I do if an intruder came into my house in the middle of the night? <laughs> now, don't ask Linda about my weaponry, which is by the bed. <laughs> no, I've got a half a pool cue. <laughs> no, I often think about what would, what would happen what would I do? Well, I'd be ready as long as I had this and this and this, but what if I didn't have my tackies on, my trainers? You know, would I, would I still feel as ready if there was a bit of my, of, of my armor missing? And I think that's how I feel sometimes, that there's sometimes we can be caught with a piece missing and we feel a little bit exposed. And God says, well, listen, I want to communicate to you my will. And I want you to stand on that firm foundation so that you know how to stand in the evil day. You know how to stand when the intruder tries to come in and cut the lines. And the beautiful thing about God's word is that all through his word, he gives us, I was going to say clues, but he gives us, he, he states there, this is what you must do to have this open line of communication. Amen? This is what you must do to stay connected to me. You want connection. I believe that every human being on this planet wants connection. Hallelujah. And we need it. And whether for some people that's a natural, on a natural or a supernatural plane, all right, we were created to be connected. Some people just want to be connected to different things. All right? You know, when I was growing up, um, you know, in school, we used to say, you, you, you know, you always had your, the in crowd, the guys that were always all that. Well, the, those, those kind of guys, whenever you spoke to them and you needed something, they always said, I've got a connection. You know, they always had connections, you know? It's like they were like the school mafia or something. You know, they always, whatever you needed, they could get it for you because they had a connection. And didn't you just want to be, as the scrawny outsider, didn't you just want to be connected to the guys who were connected? <laughs> Everyone wants to be connected to someone who's connected. And now I've realized as I grow up, I just want to be connected to the vine. I just want to be connected to the vine that supplies all things. Don't need anything else. Just need to be, stay connected <laughs> to the vine. Amen. And so we were created for connection with our creator. And I don't know about you,
But my heart is, feels and senses the acceleration of time. I'm talking about like I've never felt before. I'm like sometimes I wish for my summer holidays when I was in school in South Africa where it's like, when are the holidays going to end? I'm so bored. Now I wish I could have those days back again where time was, was, there, was there was no rush. And now time is accelerating like never before. And I feel myself reaching for more and more of that connection with the Lord, to know him more and more. It might be more accurate for me to say that it's true I want to be more and more connected with him, but I actually want to fall deeper and deeper in love with him. Amen. Amen. It's possible to fall deeper in love. <laughs> it is. Um, you think I'm going to start talking to all us old married couples now. But it's possible to fall more deep, deeper in love. And love is enriched and its value increases over time. Hallelujah. Amen. Love is a valuable commodity. I'm not talking about eros love. Or phileo love, like brotherly love. I'm talking about the agape love of God. I'm talking about that, that intimate love with the God who created us. And God has a heart full of love for us. Amen. And his love has been proven. Amen. His love has been proven. The mercy seat is still available today. What's the mercy seat? That's the place where we go just as we are where the blood of Jesus was already covered that seat to redeem us. Amen. The mercy seat is still available today. We need to revere that principle of the mercy seat. Hallelujah. And so I want to make a statement this morning, and this is where we've talked about the, the importance of connection. God loves us. And now I'm going to make a statement that, that I, th I think is going to witness with all of us. We break God's heart when we flirt with the things of the world. We break God's heart when we have an affair with the world. It's like, well... <sighs> Here we go again. You know, when you say the things of this world, people always think you're talking about the same stuff. No fun, no indulgences, no make party, you know? Just no, no this, no that. Well, I, I believe that our conscience, our, the spirit within us does a good enough job of dealing with with the stuff that we never can seem to decide whether it's pleasing to God or not. It's that, that your, your conscience already tells you that, I believe. <laughs> if it's anything like mine, it does anyway. Amen. But in Luke 9, probably sends us one of the most powerful messages concerning God's desire for us. Because... God's heart can grieve. It can be broken for us. 
And I don't, he would not have sent Jesus for us if, he's, if, he wasn't, if he didn't want us back again. Amen. And in, in Luke 9, in, in verse 57, there's a little passage there talking about the cost of discipleship. And it says there, now it happened as they journeyed down the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And then another said, Lord, I will follow you. And then that three-letter word, but first let me go and say goodbye to the people who are visiting with at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Ouch. That's, that stings. Amen. You know, I don't believe that God's indifferent to how we respond to his call. I don't believe he's indifferent to it. I believe he does grieve over us. Here's these men saying to Jesus, yeah, I'm, I'll follow you, but I've first got something else to do. How does God feel when we take that stand? Well, Jesus is clear about it in verse 62. He says, if you've put your hand to something, if you're following me, keep on. Don't, don't go back again. Amen. And, you know, I think sometimes we, because we can't see, I say this, in uh, at least I have never seen God's face. I imagine God. I imagine his realm, I imagine heaven, but because we don't see his countenance, then we sometimes, I don't think we get the impact of, of how our behavior impacts on, on God's heart. And if we could see his countenance, if we could see his, how he would react, I, I don't think I'd make a, a, such a habit of being unfaithful to him in my lifestyle. I'm talking personally, so t if, if <laughs> take it if it fits. Take it too. Amen? And I want to say something. I want to be a little more personal this morning. I hope my wife will not mind, but my wife and I, we're no different to any of you in here today in that we've had to endure difficult and painful times just as you all have. Amen? We all have. And many, many times in my life, my own issues and failures have caused my wife to grieve really sorely. Um, and now I know that after the 26, 27 years that I've known her, there's, there's, comes the point when you see the frustration and the hurt's going to give way to tears. And... I sense, you know, you sense that change in the atmosphere. And, you know, as, as a husband, that's one of the most difficult things for me 
to see, to see her breaking her heart because of issues that I've allowed to happen, that I've permitted to happen. And, you know, it's in those moments that I've wanted nothing more than for things to change. Change me, change the circumstances, change whatever's possible. You know, I'd reverse time if I could because it touches me very deeply when she's hurting. Amen? And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. He wants us to come and sit with Him. And He wants... He wants to show us his will. He wants to show us ancient paths, all right? As I said, revere, reverence is not something that's high on everyone's list these days. But, you know, there's, there's, there's things of old and ancient things that still have a place, amen? God's was from everlasting to everlasting, amen? And we all want to change stuff because we live in 2020. So everything has to be relevant to 2020. Well, God's word was written a long time ago. People try and change it, edit it, take it out of context, but it's still God's word. Amen. He wants to show us paths that have stood the test of time, paths unchanged by time, and he wants to show us um, paths which lead only to abundant life. Amen? And so, I want to read in John 5 this morning, Jesus is speaking to the Jews, his own people. Remember last week we said in John 5 verse 40, he spoke to them, he says, because, you know, um, well, they would always give him a hard time, they eventually crucified him, but he says, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. You are not willing to come to me that you may have life. And they weren't willing to come because he blew their minds, Jesus did. He just, he, Jesus was, wherever he went, the most unusual, miraculous, amazing, awesome things happened. He blew their minds. Healing on the Sabbath? What? What's all that about? Claiming that God is your Father? No, 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 no. That's blasphemy. They'd never seen the like. But they had what we call religiosity, religious pride and all sorts of different things. And they were indoctrinated into things. Jesus came to change all that. And I, I tell you what, I believe he was the greatest communicator ever that ever walked the face of this earth Jesus was the greatest communicator ever. You can take all your modern day uh, gurus and stuff. Jesus, Jesus never missed the mark. He never missed the mark when he spoke. He got the message got through even if they admitted it or not. Amen. And so he says, you're not willing to come that you may have life. And we say, well, Lord, how can I come? How can I come when I feel unworthy? How can I come when I feel faithless? How can I come when I feel full of doubt? How can I come when I feel angry at the world? Does, you know, angry at the world syndrome, does anyone get that from time to time? Angry at people. How can I come when I'm disappointed in myself? How can I come when I've got guilt because of my past? 
How can I come when I carry all the shame of my past with me? How can I come when I'm ashamed of my present, the things I'm doing now? How can I come when I'm trapped in a cycle of sinful behavior? How can I come? And God says, well, come as you are and fall or even fail into my care. Fall into my care. Fall into my care. You know, if my life's going to be shipwrecked, I want it to be against God's rocks. I want it to be on his shore. Amen. And he's not expecting us to reach him and to say, here I am, I'm already all polished up and I'm clean and I'm good to go use me. He knows full well that when we get to his feet, we are done. We are broken. We, are, we, we feel worthless. We feel useless. We feel, we feel inadequate. We feel all these things. God fully expects us to, to be exhausted and disillusioned and disappointed when we get to his feet, because then he can bear us up and pick us up. He can pick you up, bear you up, and he'll remake you. I'm glad I had to be rescued lots of times in my life, because I tell you what, it's shown me that no matter how much I've tried to run from God sometimes, (laughs) he's not letting me go. It's not letting me go. He's like, I'll rescue you again. Well, why? I, I, I don't deserve it, Lord, but I've re- I'm rescuing you again. How many more car accidents and motorcycle crashes and stuff can you have? I know you're there. You're protecting me. How many, you know, it just, hallelujah. And this struggle is becoming more and more real. There's a violent struggle for our heart and our soul. And the, world's, the word says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Being more comfortable with the world is actually disconnecting us from our Father God. There's where the disconnect's coming from. It's because we're getting comfortable. Praise the Lord. Let there be light. It's because we're getting comfortable with the world. Do you feel, does anyone here, I want you to be relaxed when you come to church. Or you can speak out, by the way, and you can stick your hand up and you can shout at me as well if you like. Do you feel a burden in your life to be free from the manipulation and the lies and the oppression that we see all around us today? On social media, the news media, everywhere, the newspapers, this is biased, that is biased, defund the BBC, do this, do that. You don't, we don't know what, most people don't have a clue if they're coming or going. They do not have a clue. Whilst also being burdened for our broke down world and it's heartbroken and hopeless people. So we have to share these burdens with, on the one hand, the frustration with the world and all the stuff, and then if you have a heart after people, you get this burden for them too because the world's such a broken place, amen? There's a better life for us to live. There's a better life for them outside to live as well, amen? There's a better life to introduce people to, and it's a life that's connected to the source of all life, 
A life that has no fear, okay? A life that has no fear, not even of death, nor of destruction, nor of any plague, nor of any sickness or disease or infection. Praise God, eh? Live, live your life without fear of these things. Is that really possible? Of course it's possible. Of course it's possible. The peace that passes all understanding passes all understanding. I don't understand why I feel at peace, but I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared of that. The devil will try and bring fear. Then we say, yeah, but Lord, I, I revere you. I reverence you in my life. You're going to restore that peace into my life. And we'll go there just now. A life where we're secure in the connection with our Father God and where we can say without any hesitation, just like the song we sing, we will not be shaken. Hallelujah. When we know that God knows the longings and desires of our hearts and it's his will and his good pleasure to fulfill them, we sometimes think, you know, God, you know the things I want. You know everything I want. So what's happening? You know? So do you? I know what I want for you, David. What, you know, but the things that you want do not line up with what I want for you. The things that you want are the things that you want for yourself. And so there's such a huge gulf there, you know? And so <laughs> yeah, you, you, have to, you have to mature in the Lord to understand that, oh, you know what? That's not good for you, don't touch. You know, you think it's only children that you have. To, well, sometimes I'm like a child. Have to, God has to tell me, not good, don't touch. Don't go there, amen? In Psalm 38, verse nine, in the Passion Translation, it says, Lord, you know all of my desires. You know my deepest longings. And this blew me away. My tears are liquid words my tears are liquid words, and you can read them all. Even when we don't say anything, God knows. God knows us, inside and out. And what I want to do this morning is I want to read, I don't usually do this, but I want to read a psalm to you. Psalm 25, about our unfailing God. And I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. And it says, and I'll stop along the way a couple of times just to embellish a couple of things. It says, forever I will lift up my soul into your presence, Lord. Be there for me, God, for I keep trusting in you. Don't allow my foes to gloat over me or the shame of defeat to overtake me. For how could anyone be disgraced when he has entwined his heart with you. But they will all be defeated and ashamed when they harm the innocent. So Lord, direct me throughout my journey so I can experience your plans for my life. Reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. This is David asking God here, Reveal the paths to me that please you. Escort me along the way. <laughs> you know, escort, escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me, for you are the God of my increasing salvation. I have wrapped my heart into yours. 
Now, in the um, New King James Version, in Psalm 25, I just want to go to that same one. Psalm 25, verse 5, in the New King James, it says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and on you I will wait all day long. Now, the Hebrew word um, for wait is hava, all right? Which also means to tie together by twisting or to entwine or to wrap yourself tightly to. Amen? So when the word says, wait on the Lord, I always thought it was just you go into a room and you wait. (laughs) You wait. But it says, it says, wrap your heart around mine, entwine your life around mine. So we're not, waiting is not, waiting is not passive. We, we always think that waiting is, is a fruitless, unproductive time. But waiting is not a passive thing. Waiting is beginning to wrap your life around God's heart for you. That's what waiting on the Lord is. Amen. It goes on to say, forgive my failures as a young man. Amen. And overlook the sins of my immaturity. Give me grace, Lord. Always look at me through your eyes of love. Your forgiving eyes of mercy and compassion. When you think of me, see me as one you love and care for. How good you are to me. When people turn to you, They discover how easy you are to please, so faithful and true. Joyfully, you teach them the proper path, even when they go astray. God doesn't want to, you know, break us when we take a wrong turn. He leads us gently back onto the path. Now, I know this from helping Linda's dad up at the farm. If there's a if there's a cow in the run, what do they call it? That thing they put them through, right? And it doesn't want to go where you're taking it. You've got to stay out there because it'll kick. And it would, it, it'll, it'll tear the place apart when it, you know. So you can try all you can to try and coax this thing along. But then it can turn, you know. So God wants to gently lead us but sometimes we are like those cows um in fact the word says somewhere we kick against the goads you know it's like come 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 and a goad is not there to hurt you it's there to gently am i right i hope i'm right huh i think so anyway um and so Verse 9, keep showing the humble your path and lead them into the best decision. Amen. Oh, boy. Bring revelation light that trains them in the truth. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who follow the ways of his covenant. Repeat, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who follow the ways of his covenant. For the honor of your name, Lord, never count my sins and forgive them all. Lift their burden off of my life. Amen? When God says, I forgive you, he removes a burden from your life. When God says, I've forgiven you, it's like, has anyone here experienced 
the relief that forgiveness brings. Isn't it amazing? I wish I could be, well, I do. We, 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 although we say we stand forgiven, but every day we need forgiveness. And I believe forgiveness really raises us up. We such a, a, a relief from that forgiveness. If I had to go to Dion and say, Dion, forgive me, forgive me, and you said, yeah, I'd be like, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you. If she said no, I'd be crushed. I'd then carry that burden of unforgiveness and wait, and we would have taught on that before. Who are, they, who are they that live in the holy fear of God? Now we're getting to the reverence. Who are they that live in the holy fear of God? You will show them the right path to take. Their prosperity, then prosperity and favor will be their portion and their descendants will, will inherit all that is good. There's a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. There is a private place reserved for those that love God and they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. Amen? Those who are in covenant with God, okay? I, I, I found out this week that the, the Hebrew word for secret is the same word for couch. Can you, you see these people in coffee shops on the couch? And they, they're close. They're talking. They're deep in conversation. They're intimate in conversation. And this is what this is talking about here. I believe that for those that love God and revere him, that it's almost like we get to sit on a couch with him and we can talk about anything at all. Amen? And God will, in that place where the utmost trust is developed, God begins to share the secrets of the kingdom with us. And we begin to know the paths that we have to take we begin to understand his will for his life. We begin to know his voice because we've gone to sit on the couch. Amen. We've gone to listen to him tell us his secrets, the Lord's secrets, okay? And these are not the kind of secrets we think of that are, you know, bad secrets, okay? This is what the Bible may call the mysteries of the Lord, which are not revealed to everybody, okay? Isn't that frustrating? Uh, well, progressive revelation of God's word doesn't happen when we just stay static in God's kingdom. We, we have to move too, amen? Rescue me, Lord, for you're my only hero, Sorrows fill my heart as I feel helpless and mistreated. I'm alone and in misery. Come closer to me now, Lord, for I need your mercy. Turn to me, for my problems seem to be going from bad to worse. Only you can free me from all of these troubles until you lift this burden, the burden of all of my sins. My troubles and trials will be more than I can handle. Can't you feel my pain? Vicious enemies hate me. There are so many, Lord. Can't you see them? Will you protect me from their power against me? 
Let it never be said that I trusted you and you didn't come to my rescue. Your perfection and faithfulness are my bodyguards. For you're my hope and I trust in you as my only protection. Amen. Let's leave it there. You're my hope and I trust in you as my only protection. You know, in, in the Living Bible, if you go back to verse 14 and 15 in Psalm 25, the Living Bible puts it this way. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone, he shares the secrets of his promises. My eyes are ever looking to the Lord for help, for he alone can rescue me. That's powerful. That is powerful. And so I want to talk, close off just highlighting this word, revere. To revere means to stand in awe of God. To stand in awe. And I have to say, you cannot, I can't be indifferent to the things that God does. They're awesome. They're truly awesome. To revere is to honor and to admire profoundly and respectfully. To, ad to admire the things of God. To admire, to admire him. To show devoted and deferential honor. To be totally devoted to him is to revere him. To defer to him instead of anything else in this world, we defer to the Lord. To regard him as worthy of great honor. Amen? Yes. To regard him as worthy, and of course he is. And to adore, to adore him. Now, that says that there's a personal attachment there that is deep, that is intimate, to adore him. Amen? And so, let those things resonate in your heart. I'm asking you to meditate on Psalm 25 this week. Now, you give homework in this church? Don't usually, but this week I'm asking you to meditate on Psalm 25. And do a little Bible study on the, reverent, on the, the reverential fear of the Lord, the revering God. You know, David revered God, and he didn't have his life together. But he, he knew when it mattered that you don't mess around. You don't mess around. You, 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 God is worthy of, of great reverence. And I think that in the days we're moving into, our connectedness to him is going to be on the increase because our reverence must increase. Our reverence for him must increase. Our reverence for him in our worship, in our prayer time, in our quiet time, in our study time, and all of that must increase. And I love this, uh, I love this little short story in John 9.31 about the man who was blind from birth and, G and Jesus came by and opened his eyes. And of course, he has a big argument with the, the people there. That's, you know, this is the one, oh, you're healing on the Sabbath and all, and all of this. So the man who was healed says to these people who are shouting the odds, he says, why? 
This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he's from, talking about Jesus, yet he's opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God, I want to put in there, suggest to you, that if anyone reveres God and does his will, he hears me. He hears you. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. He'll hear you, Susan. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. It's only Jesus. I've been blind since birth, and now I can see. And so this man is picked out of multitudes. Jesus healed multitudes of people, but he gets this man on the Sabbath and, and opens his eyes. And I believe that God will do the same for us. He will open our eyes, spiritual eyes. He will open the eyes and show those that revere him his covenant. He will open our spiritual eyes when we revere him. And this covenant is an ancient covenant. It's a covenant of security. Amen. It's a covenant of righteousness. It's a covenant of fullness, not lack. It's a covenant of grace. It's, a cov it's an excellent covenant. And it's revealed to us our understanding by the witness of the Holy Spirit who's been sent to us. But first, we revere him. We revere him because the Lord loves those who revere him. And it's his grace covenant that allows us to know more than we'd ever do just by being a student of his word. You know, I know a lot of people that go to theology school, Bible school, they're, they're students of the word, and I applaud them for that. I think it's wonderful that we should do that. But all of this without the, rever the rev reverence of God will mean that this is ink on paper and will never come alive to you, never come alive to me. We'll never have an understanding of it until the Holy Spirit shows us what it means and until we almost pull up on the couch with God and sit down and he shares his secrets with us. The key is reverence. The key is reverence. The word, this is... You know, even, even, even the guys that have written best-selling books got their principles out of this book. Those guys that sold two million best-seller New York Times best-seller list, you're going to find Scripture in their books. They just don't say it's Scripture. It's, it's, it's like, where'd you get that from? It's God's Word. It's God's Word. So this might be inspirational to people, but it will never unlock the secrets of God's will for your life and the mysteries that he has for your life unless we go beyond ink on paper and we go and we revere him and we sit on the couch with him. It's like Pastor Tom says about, what's that word he uses in his Samadhi school? There's a word, a Hebrew word that he uses and Pastor Tom says, that he, the way he describes it, it's as if you draw closer to God, as if to kiss him. That is how intimate we need to get. 
Amen. We never learn God's secrets from reading the Wycliffe commentary or Matthew Henry's commentary. For all of these great commentaries that we love, we will only We'll only find these things unlocked and revealed through the cross and through revering what God has done for us, remembering that, not taking it lightly. Amen. So God has a plan for our life. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter. 